Okay. Um, okay, so Stephanie, <laughs> oh my goodness, you are someone that's been in my sphere for um, as long as I've been in Santa Fe, which is about a year and a half now. Yeah. And you are just this person that radiates love and joy. And I feel like um, we have connected just in moments and passings, in, in some intimate circles as well. We've been able to really be in each other's awareness. And I feel that um, this is a chance for us to get to know each other better, of course. But I already know a bit of your story, just what you've published online. You're quite the published person. <laughs> And then you put out your, so you're a creative, that means you do, you're a singer-songwriter, mm -hmm. musician of many instruments. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, and you, um, it seems like you have a lot of, like, extracurricular things that you are doing. You're getting ready for some live action. Role-play games. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Like, that's so cool. Like, you're just everything. <laughs> I've been in costume-making mode. Um, lately and that's been really fun but yeah I have always known that I wanted to live a creative life and I honestly feel like I'm just living the dream lately mm. and it's I feel so blessed and um, yeah after the last 10 years of that part of my story I just feel really lucky to be doing what I love and be doing it with the people that I love and also, since meeting you, like, every interaction I've had with you, you've just been, like, this really loving, supportive presence. Like, mm. you've been supporting my artwork and, like, yeah. the creative stuff I do. So, that, this feels awesome to connect in this way. It does feel, it feels a lot more intimate. I feel like we're always just scratching the surface, which sometimes is a positive experience in the spiritual realms because, you know, you're mm. living a very parallel existence. Yeah. Like, I see um, you. Yeah, I see, yeah, <laughs> I see you. We're doing the same thing. I'm over here being you, but yeah, in this quantum. Um, something upon knowing more about your story, just by looking at you, I mean, and I know that makes it sound a certain type of way, but like, you went through some hardship. I mean, mm -hmm. there was times where, like in the videos, you were frustrated, you were sad, you were done, like, and it seemed like there was no way of like feeling better and then to be going through that when you should be feeling free and like a teenager and like a and just having your own experience it's it's not something that was i don't like the word normal but yeah you, but it's normal but, yeah but yeah. you had a very difficult s string of events yeah it's kind of strange how it happened because I, I would have these moments where I was like okay I get it that suffering is part of life but why is there so much suffering why is this so hard why is it so hard to stand up walk carry on a conversation why can't I go to school and so there were several for for about a 10 year span from the time I was 17 to 27 was just riddled with chronic illness, mystery illness. At one time I had like over a dozen different diagnoses. I was taking so many medications. One of the medications I took gave me lupus and oh it was gosh. just like one thing after another. And I was averaging about four hospitalizations a year and two of the hospitalizations would usually be more than a week. And so about two months every year, I was just completely bedridden, completely bedridden. And so I was like, you know, 
in the times between, I was just like trying to party as much as I could and like go out and meet friends. But I remember like my freshman year of college, if I wanted to go out and like dance and party and stuff, I would like not have to eat for three days so that I wasn't like having, you know, stomach pains because Crohn's was one of my diagnoses. Oh my God. So I, you know, like wouldn't, would try not to eat so that I wouldn't have stomach pain oh. from eating so that I could like go out with friends. And it was hard, like I got diagnosed when I was 17. Excuse me, sorry. You're good, um, I got diagnosed when I was 17, so it was my senior year of high school. And I missed five months of school. And like nobody asked where I was because they just assumed that I graduated early. Uh, that was really because tough. Because you're a brilliant person. <laughs> um, yeah, and like people just, um, it's hard for us to be around people that are suffering. And I think oh. that's one thing that going through what I've gone through has taught me is how to be around people that are suffering mm. and how to have compassion for just about anything. Um, Cause I remember maybe like six months to a year before I got diagnosed, um, I had like my best friend had Crohn's, like what are the odds? And when he would flare and he was in the hospital, uh, we would go visit him. And so that's who I reached out to when I was having problems, I was like, okay, what does Crohn's look like? Um, and he told me, I was like, these are the symptoms I'm having. And he's like, get to the ER now. I was like, oh crap. So yeah, that was hard. And it also came with a lot of um, like anxiety and Crohn's like have gone mm. hand in hand for me. So take, learning how to take care of myself has, you know, really branched into a lot of different areas, you know, and, and yeah, it's just learning how to stress manage, learning what things I really need, learning how what foods I can eat. Um, and I'm really a big believer now in like integrative medicine because it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. That has that kind of keeps me well. Yeah, wow. But personal relationships and stress management, like that has a lot to do with my physical health. Interesting. Yeah. Do you find yourself so when you say personal relationships do you need to connect? Um, do you, does that mean like having a tight circle? Does that mean, um, what does that mean? Yeah, so a couple things. It means like knowing that I have people to call upon, mm. that if I have bad days, I'm not alone. Yeah. And, you know, if I have a few days where I'm like really struggling to feed myself, I have friends that can bring me soup. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and also just like being in good relationship, you know, with my partner, my family, my friends, like if I'm fighting with somebody, I'm having an argument or a disagreement, it'll go straight to my stomach and like, I feel like I want to throw up. So Whoa. I like, you know, as I was, um, m the first few years that I had Crohn's, I was in like a, you know, my first serious relationship with my boyfriend and we were together three and a half years and I could, you know, looking back every time we were going through a big argument or like we were on a break flare up hospitalization wow. oh my gosh mm -hmm. so like really literally wow. so so tied and you know people talk about like the mind body connection and like you know one way of putting it is like i have psychosomatic mm -hmm. yeah. disorder or whatever because literally like my thoughts and my emotions completely 100 percent instantaneously affect my physical mm. state so I really have like it's just 
completely interconnected for me. It is for everybody, but it's just so yeah. quickly. There's you know? no, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a instant manifestation. Whereas for instant. someone else, it would take like weeks or months or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's instant. You know, it's really powerful and so reassuring and reaffirming to hear you say um that that draw towards fixing something or that draw towards having positive relationships because mm -hmm. when someone's having a chronic illness i see them pushing people away it's so hard not to oh. yeah it's you, so you hard to talk about to. that yeah um it took me years to mm. learn how not to and actually shout out to brene brown Renee, Seriously? she's doing the most. Oh my gosh, because for the first, what, eight years of going through that, that depth of illness, um, it was so hard. I think for one reason is because um, my friends were young people. They were also teenagers. They mm -hmm. wanted to go out and party. They didn't understand like, oh, we have to like stay home and like watch a movie with you. I mean, I could have probably asked for that, but I didn't really know how. And I also, like, had, I remember I had this one experience where I was 17, 18 years old, and I reached out to, like, one of my childhood friends, and I was like, I need you, like, please come over, and she's like, I can't. And at that age, I took it so personally, oh. I was like, you're done to me, you know, oh. like, cut off. I didn't talk to her for a long time, and I felt, you know, looking back, like, I, I felt guilty, I felt a little bit ashamed mm. about that. But it was really hard not to take it personally when people didn't know how to show up. And then a couple years ago, my godmother, I love her so much, her name is Anna, she's my mom's best friend, and she gave me um, Darren Greatly by mm, Brene Brown. Yeah. And it's all about like being in the arena, stepping up, showing up, like having courage and being vulnerable. Mm. And up until that point, I was vulnerable to a point like my college okay. roommate told me that I was confusing because I seemed like an open book but there were things but like you know it was like there was this much of me percentage yeah. that was an open book and nobody knew about yeah. this stuff you're like look at this page cool huh <laughs> I'm like yeah no I'll be so open about this thing I'll tell like, you anything you page? want I'm like no 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 oh no no oh. no <laughs> <laughs> So I just didn't know how mm. and reading that book and I didn't know that I didn't know how mm. I kind of blamed other people for it, you know, um, and myself, mm. right? Like when I was going through college, another thing that was hard was that I dropped out like three, four times because I'd be going to school and then I'd be like hospitalized for a month mm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't catch back up. So every time I had to drop out, when I went back, it was a new class of people. And I had to make friends all over again. And they'd be there for a little bit. You know, it's like the first flare I had, you know. But I remember one time I had a couple buddies over and, like, I was just, like, laying in bed and eating ice cream and everything was fine. And then I started, like, seizing uncontrollably. And they had to, like, go get the RA and I had to call an ambulance I think it really freaked him out because like oh. we didn't we didn't hang out the same after that. It was just like uh, how do they say like uh, gloves? They were wearing like protective gloves around you after like like the safe handling you. Yeah, they just like didn't know 
and like I don't blame them for that but like they didn't really know how to talk to me or like interact with me mm. after that um and I'm sure that was really scary yeah. for them well for you for me too for me too yeah yeah it was it was intense and you know the firefighters get there and they're like calm down you're just having a panic attack and I was like literally convulsing like I could not control my body I found out years later that I have almost constant acute seizures um yeah didn't find that out until like two years ago Whoa. I did not know that about myself but it made so much make sense you know mm. um yeah because like there was this one time when I was 16 17 and I had started like a new medication psychiatric medication and I went to a new year's eve party and I didn't drink it was a family party mm. and one minute I'm playing chess with my friends and the next minute I'm putting on my shoes and my parents are there and then the next minute I'm in a hospital bed. I'm like, what? I had, what was happening? I like completely, completely That was your linear. That, that was, was my experience oh. of time. Everyone was freaked out. They blamed it on the medication, but like I had blackouts like that, you know, where I was still conscious, but I was not in control mm. of my body. So finding out that I had these seizures made so much make sense for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like that part of your life, um, and I don't know how much now still, but like it's it sounds like you were just like getting introduced to your body and like learning how to s- sit in the control room. Well, I didn't know what disassociation was. Mm. And I think that was a huge problem for years. Um, And then while I was struggling really hard with POTS, when I was about 21 years old, um, I got diagnosed with POTS, and then it went downhill really quick. And I was in a wheelchair for three months. Couldn't walk. Couldn't hardly hold a conversation. My vision started going. Like, my whole system was shutting Mm. down. Excuse me. And I remember having all of these realizations when I was like in a hospital in like a hotel room near Mayo Clinic because mm-hmm. um, we were like, what are, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. You know, like my parents just like got in the car and drove me nine hours to the Mayo Clinic because we didn't know what else to do. And they're like, oh, it's going to be a year long wait to get into the POTS Clinic. I was are like, dude, I'm 21 years old in a wheelchair. Like something is wrong. Help me now. Yeah, no. You know? And so I just, yeah, I had all these horrible experiences where it was just like, what am I supposed to do? I felt so out of it, out of control and realized how disassociated I was from my body. And that didn't change until two years ago, actually. The mm. last two years have been all about getting back to my body. I realized when I was talking to my art therapist, because I kind of mentioned that I was disassociated from my body, So we kind of did this like guided visualization. So I closed my eyes and I was like, it literally feels like my legs are 12 feet underwater from me. They felt so far away. And I would just have these really strange experiences in my body like that, where I felt so far away from my legs Mm. or I could only be aware of my mouth. That was when it got really freaky. Like I was only in my mouth and so I would experience a lot of numbness in my extremities. Mm. Um, part of POTS is um, difficulty controlling your body temperature. 
So if it's cold, like I just shake so much and that can kind of start to feel like seizing because I just like lose control of my body. Um, but it's a lot better now. Like I, so there was that experience with Mayo Clinic and actually like someone, someone reached out. I had asked for prayers on Facebook. Mm. I was like, just please, please send prayers. And I was asking for prayers that we got in to Mayo Clinic oh. because it was a Hail Mary. It was yeah. like, just get in the car and go. Yeah. And actually somebody responded to it that I had gone to high school with, but I didn't know. She was like a year above me. And she said, hey, heard you have POTS. Um, I used to have POTS and I'm not experiencing any more symptoms because I went to this doctor in Illinois, 30 minutes away from where my parents lived. And so we reached out to him and he called us that night and talked to us for like an hour and a half, like after nine o'clock, oh. after a full day of work, like God bless him. Yeah. After being told like, Literally. nobody can see you for a year. Yeah. You're like, uh, in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to Illinois. I'll see you Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. Oh I'll come in early my. just for you. Dude. Seriously. What? And I had always, so, so a thing about POTS is that on average it takes six years to get diagnosed. Because it just has to do with so it's it's a nervous system disorder. Okay. So it can look like a lot of different things. Oh. Right. Yeah. So it took a long time to get diagnosed, and I always heard people say, "Once you find the right doctors, it's like the doors open, and everything's gonna be okay." After that, wow. you just need to find the right doctors. So I remember my friend Mary drove me to this place, and we're in the parking lot, and I just start crying because I just have this feeling like this is it. The, these are the right doctors and she like rolls me in with the wheelchair and I see these doctors just like standing there waiting for me like coming in early going out of their way to help me and I just like I just cried oh. they were like I heard like the ah, yeah. like the I lights mean, of heaven yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously um so within nine months my brain scans were totally normal I was completely functioning fine and they are literally a dream team. They're incredible, incredible doctors. Functional neurology is, I think, one of the best branches of modern medicine. Wow. Functional? Yeah. Functional? Neurology. Neurology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And it's all brain exercises. It's, is it? It's based on neuroplasticity. The idea that um, the brain has all of these neuropathways and if one, you know, highway shuts down, we can find side streets. Wow. Right? Oh my God. And so they use the eyes and the ears as windows to the brain. Okay. And so all of the exercises, I mean, we would do light therapy. We would do oxygen therapy. We would do eye exercises. Um, and they had this thing called a gyro chair. It made me feel like an astronaut. They'd like strap me in, like oh, spin me so around cool. and stuff. I got some <laughs> video footage of it yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. one of my videos. That's what that was. Okay. Gyro I was chair. like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I started seeing them, my, I could only, like, 70% of my vision was just fuzz. I couldn't straighten out. I was, like, very hunched over. Mm. My posture couldn't do it. I couldn't hold a conversation. And so, um, yeah, and within nine months, I was back to normal. And within one or two months, within one month, I was walking with a cane. And then a few months later, you know, it was, it was such a strange feeling, though, going back into my body because... Part of that process was like, because I couldn't be outward and, you know, outwardly expressive, yeah. I got to know my mind really, really well. Wow. And got, like, I would have 
these like visual journeys you know I remember this one night just like laying in bed not being able to move at all and just reaching out to the cosmos for help Mm. it's like somebody please help me mama help me and I remember becoming really really small like the size of a fly and this like black womb mother figure Mm. comes and just like holds me in her arms and yeah I had like really um vibrant inner worlds at that time yeah and you know was was kind of talking myself through it and realized how separated i was from my body and so it was just about yeah coming back Mm. and i remember one of my doctors saying you know what if we try as just like an experiment you know they say that thoughts can affect you know the entire nervous system like what if you try telling yourself I have a perfectly functioning brain. I have a perfectly functioning automatic nervous system. Next week no. is when I started walking yes. again. Yeah. Yeah. The next week. Yeah. So I started, I started correct, you know, in the video um, documentary that I have, you'll see some footage of me just like caressing my arms and saying like, mm. I am safe. Mm. I am safe. I loved looking at my tattoos because they reminded me like which body I'm in. Oh yeah. And they became like a really grounding thing for me. I feel that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But just how important it is to like tell myself that I'm safe and like bring my nervous system back to a good place. Um, it taught me how, how important that is. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is just, I'm like, I need to take a second. Like I need to take a second because there is so much power and beauty um manifested i mean in this space that you've curated like in your online presence i mean in your personal vibrance that it's i can when you said that you had a very intimate personal interpersonal life with yourself i can see that because like now that it's blooming and blossoming now that you can have like that physical vessel to be like oh there I am mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's it's something that I don't think that I mean people that are, have gone through suffering know suffering and can't connect with the physical world know this but we take so many so many things for granted just touching feeling mm-hmm. just wanting to know what that feels like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when you think about um, your journey and connecting with yourself and then it sounds like you had this like really um ecstatic kind of um mystical experience with the with the mother holding Mm -hmm. you how does that um how does that bleed into your life as you begin to minister now to others it seems Mm -hmm. like you're you're a healer correct so how is this i mean i'm sure it's been a catalyst i keep on saying that word and it's overused maybe by myself but (laughs) this has been like the catalyst for you to become this you're beautiful like you radiate cosmic love thank you of course i what else can i ask for you know Mm. i i have so much compassion for the human experience and for all that it entails and so how it affects what I do now, I just have this complete knowing, not even a belief, it's not something outside of myself, I have this complete knowing of the interconnectedness of the mind, heart, body, soul, spirit, Mm. and of all of us on the human realm, and of all of those on the astral, cosmic 
ascended master mm-hmm. realm. And I just know that I and we can tap into it. Um, so we're talking about your healing. Um, something I want to briefly circle back to sure. just while it's fresh on my mind is when you describe this like I said, the mystical experience, and now you have this relationship with the world that's far beyond our terrestrial life. Um, what what was kind of like, if you can think back on those like <laughs> hallmark moments, right? Like the very beginning of that journey. Mm. What was that? What was that like to finally come into a space of like something bigger than me, something bigger than my suffering, something bigger than yeah. It was a journey. It, d- it didn't happen right away. Because mm-hmm. like I said, when I got do- diagnosed, I was 17. I was a little shit teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember doctors would try to tell me about the mind-body connection. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Give me my meds. Yeah. And I just wasn't, I wasn't buying it. You and weren't convinced. I wasn't convinced. And I remember even like going to a psychologist whose husband did Reiki, and I was like, "What are you doing to me?" Yeah, like, stop not touching me. Uh, yeah, stop <laughs> not touching me. Like, what? What is this? You know, now I'm like a Reiki practitioner. <laughs> You're like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. So she wants to come back. I missed you. <laughs> so, what was it like coming into that though? I don't know. It kind of just happened. I just remembered. I just wow. remembered. Whoa. And honestly, I think as much as, as, I don't know, I won't judge this, but suffering has been my greatest teacher. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the, like, that moment that I described to you with the mother was probably one of my first moments like that. And going down, you know, as they say, hitting rock bottom yeah. with um, the whole POTS thing, it it changed things for me. So one of the one of the visions that kind of was coming through at that time, um, and actually, no, you know what? I can't pinpoint it. Oh my gosh! So I remember going to a chiropractor. Okay. Okay. Of all people, yeah. but she was also like spiritual and holistic she was very much like a holistic doctor Mm. but also like a licensed chiropractor right so i remember she's working on me and she had a feeling that there was deeper stuff so she kind of led me through this guided visualization or like opened up that space and i remember in that visualization i was walking through this like dark gallery hallway with all these like spotlights and I come up to this painting that is like huge right like six feet by you know six feet maybe and I completely like went up to it and it was kind of like an oil painting you know where they can Mm. get a lot of texture and there were like these sharp points of these waves it was like a dark stormy sea kind of painting and I remember the waves be like coming to a point and I put out my hand and touched these points and I fell into the painting and I was in the water and I just knew I was drowning. Oh my god. I was completely lost at sea, drowning. Mm. Years later, when um when I found those functional neurologists, I had another vision of that girl, that, you know, 
told me about the functional neurologist that she had kind of shot out this like flare gun okay. to where I was, right? And I see, I have this vision of the functional neurologist coming in with their helicopter, like reaching out the, this like claw, picking me up and taking me back to shore. Wow. And for a while, I was just kind of on the beach, getting carried, being taken care of, you know, people would bring resources to me. I, all I could do was just look out at the beach. And one day I turned and started walking towards the forest and was ready to leave the beach. And so I was walking towards the forest and I remember like walking through this like broken down amusement park. Mm. All these roller coasters that like nobody was managing, nobody knew how to manage them. And they felt like all of my moods, all of my moods were just like at somebody's whim, wow. you know, not in my control. And I remember walking down one of these places and seeing on the other side of this chain link fence, my sister and my niece, my goddaughter, walking together and waving at me. And I have this feeling like I want to get back to them. I want to clean this place up. I want to be able to connect to people again. And so as I was going through the functional neurology um, regimen, I started to feel myself like cleaning up that place. And I was explaining this to my doctors too. I was like, you guys are helping me like put these rides back together mm. so that I'm in control. And then after that, I had this vision where I came across a cabin in the woods and it was a very very warm cabin and on the sofa it was like this big red sofa yeah. <laughs> we're on the sofa we're on the red sofa and there were you know really big fire and I my mom my grandma my friend and her mom were all sitting on this couch mm. and it just felt like this very motherly warm cabin and I walked outside the cabin and I noticed a bridge over the water. Mm. Now, now there was a bridge and it connected to this village and this community. And about that time, I started having these dreams of the mountain and I was swimming in lakes in the mountain. And I woke up one morning and in my notebook I had written, go to the mountain people, they'll heal your heart. Whoa. And within a year or two, I moved to New Mexico. I had never been to the mountains before. I didn't understand why I was dreaming about them. Mm never been around them but now i've been living here for three and a half years in the mountains and there's nothing like it and it's, yeah yeah and on the same couch you know i i moved in with my best well we weren't best friends when we moved in together now she's my best friend mm -hmm. and we started dreaming up um gaia's oasis is what we called it oh. and we started dreaming up the ideas for it on this couch this red couch oh, i feel so honored <laughs> And now I feel just completely in that community. Like I feel, that's why I said like at the beginning, I just feel like I'm living the dream. My dreams have come true yeah. here. You, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I want to also mention the part of my story, you know, like I said, I had struggled really bad for 10 years and the reason why it's 10 years and not 11 now is because last year I had really major surgery to remove my colon because mm. it was just so badly diseased. I kept struggling with Crohn's. I tried everything else and it just wasn't working. Yeah. And I tried all the medications on the market and I pretty much ran out of other options. And I remember crying and then realizing, oh, 
when I was 17, I met a man who said, you know what, I haven't experienced Crohn's symptoms in 20 years. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I don't have a colon. I haven't, I have an ostomy bag. I was like, what? No, I won't even think about that for 10 years, 10 years. And then I woke up one day and I'm on the last of the medication approved, you know, for Crohn's. And I'm like, oh my God, it's been 10 years. Like it's time for surgery. Wow. It's time. So that experience because of everything else that I had been through was honestly like a really beautiful spiritual experience. Like I was so supported. Mm. My mom was holding my hand. You know, we're, we had like a rosary and I was covered in a mother Mary blanket, like right before surgery and, um, had prayed with my family. (laughs) No, it is. Taking a fresh take now. So a week before surgery, um, my family had the idea, like, let's do like a proper goodbye ritual. Interesting. Okay. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Like, this is what we're doing. So I had made this painting of, like, a goddess figure with an ostomy bag. Okay. And so we, like, put that out there. We lit candles. We pulled cards. We all talked about the feelings that were coming up for us. My godmother was there. We cried. We laughed. And we said goodbye to that version of myself. And opened up the door for, like, this new healed version of myself to come in. And the whole thing was just so supported, even though it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do mm-hmm. um, and get used to. It was such a huge mm-hmm. learning curve because it was like having a new body. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And since that experience, I felt like a completely different person, like completely new person. And upon getting together with my best friend again, she was like, this is the most radiant I've ever seen you because wow. I don't have energy going towards disease my body you know and and it frees it up for other things so I've learned all the different ways that I can take care of myself you know it's I get dehydrated really easily so I get IV hydration every two weeks and it helps me function um I still have to be kind of careful about what I eat um because it'll affect like my anxiety of course and I stay in good relation with people as much as I can and honor my spiritual practice yeah and I'm, I'm out here doing my best. Mm. I have a question for you um, that's alive and it kind of yeah. encompasses everything. It doesn't have to go any direction, but is there a hierarchy to this support system that you've cultivated for yourself? Is there something that's higher or lower? Or is there something that comes first and then others? Or I would say it used to be my family, like my mom and dad were the ones that I knew no matter what they'd be here and so they are unwavering support wow they have helped me through everything wow like when I've had times crying at the kitchen table not knowing mm. how I'm supposed to live life yeah they've helped me find solutions and yeah. they've helped me um just with everything they've set me up in a really good way absolutely <laughs> no you must pay attention well check in me I'm very cute <laughs> yeah I'm sorry about this. Um, but now I live you know across the country from them mm. so you know it's different it's different yeah. now they they still support me in certain ways um, but actually now 
I say I, I have, um, you know, my tightest circle that I consider family, even if they're not blood. Yeah. And they are like the people that I know I can always call. And then I have another outer circle of my friends. Yeah. And yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken wing. That's really, that's really cool that you're able to, to, to have the discernment. I feel like discernment is like a really big word and just not only expressing your relationship with your body and knowing what's best for it, but also knowing where you're going to show up in other people's lives and like how tight that community is going to be. I love that you like say you've been living your like dream, like the dream. And so, um, Talk about, like, how the vision slowly became reality, or if it was slow, I don't know. Well, it was a series of truly, truly magical events. (laughs) So I would love to tell you the story. (laughs) So, hey, Lotus. Chicken wing. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's see. I started having those dreams, right? Yeah. And there was this one night when I was living in Milwaukee, that's where I went to art school. And I was just kind of wandering and I see this big fire and I just kind of wander over to it. And these really nice strangers invite me to be around their bonfire. And that was the first time I ever heard anybody talk about ayahuasca and plant Mm. medicines. And so that sparked my curiosity. So for about a year, I started um, researching it and watching documentaries about it and just learning as much as I could about it. And then the next year, like in the summer, I took a trip with my college roommate and had like a very shamanic experience where I felt I was so sick. Like I, I, I like could not get past these things. And I like was reaching out to like these doctors and intuitive healers out in Oregon where we were. And this one healer calls me and is like, um, I'm not available, but I know this guy who does, um, what do you call it? Like removes entities from one's body. As soon as she said that, I got this vision of like this dark spider like lodged in my spine and so I asked my roommate you know if we could do this ritual together and I had like complete authority from that moment I was like I know what's wrong and I know what to do and so we like we set up the space I, I spent a long time calling in all the powers all of our allies her allies and just felt completely supported and then just used my will to get this thing out of me into a water glass we flushed it down the toilet wow it was you know and i when we came back to milwaukee i told that story to the woman that i was working for doing um sound baths at her yoga studio and i told her about it and she said stephanie have you ever done ayahuasca and i said no but i've been wanting to for almost a year and she's like i got some people that i want you to meet so she was supposed to come with me to this you know, medicine ceremony. She bailed out last minute. So I'm driving three and a half hours into Northern Wisconsin to meet, you know, to do a medicine ceremony with people I've never met before. Oh my gosh, you're probably feeling so vulnerable. So vulnerable, scared, so scared. I was flaring 
so I like had you know I went up to the shaman and I was like look I know there's a purge and I'm like bleeding when I like go to the bathroom like is this gonna be okay for me and he's like yep thanks for letting me know like I'll keep an eye on you so we go through the medicine ceremony and it hits me fast it hits me hard I go through like several waves I'm on this journey for like seven hours you know and throughout it I'm like um, my biggest purge was drool. You know, I was so scared of this purge that it was going to hurt my digestive system. And I was drooling like a little baby. And I was letting out these moans and just clearing out my body through vocal expression. By the end of this ceremony, my channel was so clear that this angelic voice was able to come through me that I had never heard before. And I was like, is this okay? All right, the shaman will stop me if it's not okay. Yeah. I just kept singing. It was soothing to me. And then that morning, you know, as the sun is rising, we, we get handed peaches and it's the juiciest peach I've ever had. And like, it's amazing. And we start sharing our stories. And several people told me like, hey, your voice brought me back from a really dark place. Whoa. I was lost in space and your voice brought me oh back to this circle. That's almost prophetic. And that's not the first time that I've been told that in ceremony. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. Like, this is not just about, like, I have to get over myself. And, like, my voice is not just for me. Right? Mm. And, yeah, that has been, like, a big ego back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't end by being, you know. So then the man sitting next to me had a really dark and heavy experience. And I was just kind of talking to him about it afterwards. And the next day he says to me, Stephanie, your voice got me through that ceremony. Mm. Also, I'm a music producer. Do you want to work together? Yeah, I'll, just by the way. By the way, we need to make music together. Oh You're, and, and so we started making music together. And we both like went through a really bad breakup um, like that winter. And so I went to go visit him in Chicago and we like just banged out this EP in like four days and that's the first EP that I ever like published out there it's called in my own skin Mm. and he's like I have a cabin in New Mexico you should come visit it sometime so that year 2019 was like my fuck it I am doing this anyways I don't care that I am bleeding I don't care that I'm sick I am going to travel I am 24 years old I'm doing this. And so I went to, my mom was like in full support. She's like, cool, let's go to the rock and gem show. She drives (laughs) across the country with me. We go to Italy, visit family. And then I go on this like two and a half month road trip, like just packed up my Fiat and and went to go see that friend that helped produce the music. He's living in California. Odd synchronicity. I get an offer from a woofing like orchard 15 minutes away from where he's staying in California. Oh my what God. are the chances? No, that's wild. Right? So I go out, I stay there. It didn't work out. I got really sick. I came back to my parents' place. And then a few weeks later, that same buddy was like, I'm going to have a music festival out on my land in New Mexico. You should come. And so I opened up the whole music festival with my singing bowls as the moon was rising. And people said that it looked like I was like willing yeah. the moon to come up yeah. over the mountains. Um. and just opportunity after opportunity kept presenting itself another friend asked me to be on his radio show in taos another friend asked if we wanted to go camp in their airstream in 
Santa Fe. Mm. And that person that was um, camping in the Airstream was my best friend's house that I previously mentioned. Oh, my gosh. So that's how I met her. Oh, my gosh. And so we stayed here for, like, almost a month when we plan on being here, like, a weekend. Went back to Illinois, and I was like, okay, I keep trying to move back to Wisconsin, and these doors are just not opening up for me. What about Santa Fe? I reached out to, like, I had several people tell me that I should move here, and then I reached out, and, and that friend that I ended up living with, she called me, and she was like, yeah, I'm looking for a roommate. Things didn't work out with my boyfriend. And so we started talking about, like, what would it be like to live together, and I said to her, just so you know, like, I have this chronic illness, and... It's been really hard to live with people in the past because, like, I could get sick, I have these needs, I may not be the cleanest <laughs> roommate, yeah. I may not, you know, I'll, I'll go through these periods. And she goes, you know what, I'm in school to be a doctor of Chinese medicine, and if anything, having you as a roommate would probably teach me so much compassion. Mm. I was like, wow, that is, like, the sweetest response you could ever have. Yeah, three weeks later, we moved in together. Perfect. So that's You're the long like story of strange events. Manifestation journey. <laughs> like, yeah. So we lived together for a year and a half through, you know, the first sh- shutdown of the oh, pandemic. And so, like, we really became family because it was okay. like we were all each other we had for a while. And now we're, you know, we're still creating that, that community together. And we're both, you know, I'm leading uh, Gaia's Gathering with her this year. Are you? Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. I was there last year. I know. I it love it. It was so, <laughs> it was like, it was so, it was everything that you could want from conscious living. Yeah. And it was, like, I still, to this very day, will pull from the experiences I had that three days. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how often... I think about being part of a community and like knowing that I'm plugged in Mm -hmm. like um because so many people don't have that Mm. right and so like okay so I want to ask you when it comes to connecting to community Mm -hmm. what are some things that allow you to like you know kind of like that red chakra right (laughs) of like belonging and being um, how, how do you become integrated in such a group? Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, let's see. So I think, first of all, speaking about the root chakra, a couple things. I make sure that I and my house are safe spaces wow. for people. I, you know, Ram Das talks about this, about working on oneself so much that you just become a sanctuary for other people to come up for air. And that is like my goal, Mm. you know, or one of my goals. And especially as like, you know, I'm going to school to become an expressive arts therapist. And that's all I can hope to be is just a sanctuary. And that's why we've called this community Gaia's Oasis. It's meant to be an oasis in the desert, a safe space. And then with other friends, I look for that in them. I look for people and places that are so safe that no matter what mood I'm in, no matter what state of health I'm in, I know that I'm welcome there and I know that I belong there. 
you know, like I was a part of this improv group the last couple months and I remember they were so accepting. It was with the sustainable love mm. community. And I remember this one day we're doing the, an improv and I'm like, Hey guys, like I just got a really bad stomach ache. I might have to like dip out during this improv. And one of the members goes, no, you don't have to dip out. We will follow your lead. If you need to lay down in the middle of this improv, we will lay down with you. It's like, whoa, that is so beautiful. It is. And we can do that for each other. So another part of this is I have this knowing and this understanding now. We're good. We're good. That we know how to be there for each other. Yeah. We know how to be there for each other. And all those times that I had someone to help me get through, get through the really hard thing I was going through, and I'd say, oh my God, like how, are, how could I ever repay you? They mm. would say, somebody was there for me, Yeah. and now I'm here for you, yeah. and you just keep paying it forward. Mm. And so that's the philosophy that I've kept carrying on, you know, and I saw it really clearly in a medicine ceremony I was a part of a couple weeks ago where when I was having a really hard time somebody was there for me and then I would just and then I got through it and I was okay and I was able to be there for others and I would just find myself at the right time the right place right next to somebody who was suffering and needed somebody to hold them Whoa. in compassion and I was there to do it mm. because somebody did the same thing for me and so I think like that's that's really what it's all about that's what we're here for Amen. and moments like that like ceremony community guys gathering it just really is such a big lesson in we know how to do this we yeah. know how to take care of each other yeah and i'm also really blessed that at the first year of guys gathering that's when i got to know my partner really well mm. and now he's like He's so caring. He just like, you know, one of the first things he told me was, you know, I just really want to love and nurture my partner. I just want to feed them good food. And I was like, as someone with a digestive disorder, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's one of those things like I've always wanted, but like didn't want to ask yeah. for, you know, like, Speaking can I ask for goals. this? Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, you know, I told him my dietary restrictions and not only was he not, you know, threatened by it or, you know, like, oh my God, he didn't say anything like, oh, that's going to be so difficult. Not only did he not do that, he took that sheet of paper and put it up on his fridge and like his dad photocopied it. <laughs> the most support, that the most heavenly. Like, so, yeah. And just people in my life that want to see me succeed, want to see me be well, that are just, yeah, those are my kind of people. That is so, that is so precious and so perfect because I was having a conversation the other day and we were talking about chronic illness and we were talking about how it's not just the person that's going through the pains, pain and mm -hmm. suffering, it's our suffering yeah. and that's something that i think that we're really manifesting as um, we step into a new dimension mm -hmm. of community and knowing like you said we know how to do this mm -hmm. and it's really just as seeing the other as yourself yeah exactly like one of those moments of that medicine ceremony that i was speaking of 
there was this man that was really struggling and we all helped him, you know, walk up and, and a couple people carried him off. And the woman that was like his partner and caretaker was left behind and she needed someone to sit with her while she cried about how hard that was. Mm. And I knew in that moment I was, I said, you know, someone did this for my mom when she broke down, when she was my caretaker. Mm. And now I'm doing this for this woman. She looked up and she's like, I don't know you. Like, thank you for witnessing me in that. Thank you for holding me through that. Like, I don't even know you. Wow. I was like, that's okay. Yeah. You needed it and I was here. Amen. And I could give that to you. Yeah. Also, after that, you know, because of how sensitive I am and that how sensitive we can be, you know, my heart took on some of that stuff. And I, I realized I was feeling some things after holding space for a couple people. I went to the waters, I went to the river, and I just sang it out. Wow. I sang it all to the waters. I just gave it all to her. I felt completely fine afterwards. Oh <laughs> it's just about that awareness, you oh know, um, that when we take things on, we can also let them go. You know, we might be a sponge where we absorb a lot and then we, we gotta do those things that squeeze us out, you know. Mm. That, and that's why I'm so into the expressive arts therapy. I really believe what we express can save us. Mm. And what we conceal and repress can really, really hurt us. Mm. Kill us if we let it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Wow. Um, I definitely we're running out of time. I want to have you on another time. Like, sure. this is just incredible. I mean, especially with everything that I know that you're doing for healing. Like, you're really yeah. tapping into this. And, like, I see you. I, first of all, I see you. <laughs> and also, like, I see you moving in such a way that is very intuitive. Mm. And I feel like you're really attracting some really beautiful people to continue to work with. Yeah, thank you. I would love to talk more about that. Um, yes, I'm really yeah. into... I really believe myself to be a bridge and so I love to bridge like the spiritual intuitive healing with the scientific known you know proven I like to have a lot of different ways to explain and connect the dots yeah. for myself and for others so I've learned so many healing modalities and love to weave them together in my work and i love to tell you more about it yeah for sure um until then i'll definitely put all your information where people can find you of course if you want to just mention them out loud sure so most of my online presences go by expressions of healing. Mm. So that's my email, you know, at gmail.com. That's also my Instagram and that's also my website. So if you go to my website, expressionsofhealing.com, you can check out my art, my music, mm. all of the services that I offer. Um, I do read like tarot and oracle cards. I do sound healing. And this time next year, I will be an expressive arts therapist. Oh my, I'm so happy for you. you. I, well, dare I say proud? I'm like, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so like happy for what we are creating in this world. And so, yeah, thank you so much for showing up. Just mm -hmm. showing up, that's all. Thank you. I have so much faith in mm -hmm. all of us and what's going on in the world. I really do. So I'm mm -hmm. here for it. If you wanted to say something to the collective right now, just <laughs> like you had the ability to touch every single soul. Yeah. What I would want to say right now is that we are meaning makers. 
And so whatever you're going through, whatever you have been through, if you can find a way to make it mean something, you can. You can find meaning and purpose in anything. And you do have free will. So live your dreams. Mm. Listen to your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yours are coming true apparently. So <laughs> literally. You're literally it's magic. Yeah, you're it's literally magic. like fabricating reality. Yeah. Like I love that. Listen to your dreams, listen to yourself, listen to your body. Mm. It tells you everything that you need to know. Wow. Thank you again, Stephanie. You're so welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Amen.